all alone and broken hearted trying to calm the raging battle in my mind in search of many answers that my troubled soul just couldn't seem to find I saw a flower blooming where there was no rain or sunshine and I knew not that this flower would change the rest of my life I found a lily in my valley, in my valley. I found strength when I was warm I found a place to leave my burden I found a refuge from the storm A place where I trained my dark skies Two beaming rays of sunshine I found a lily in my valley And he blooms all the Praise his holy name. So if you're down and broken hearted and you just can't seem to find peace of mind, you're searching for your answers, but your problems are getting worse all the time oh just lift your hand to jesus he'll take you in and break the ties that bind he'll be the lily in your valley and you can watch him bloom all the time he'll be a lily strength when you're warm. He'll be the place to leave your burdens. He'll be that refuge from the storm. in blue dark sky two beaming rays of sunshine 
Thank you, Jesus. I found a lily in my valley, and he blooms all the time. So if you're down and broken hearted, and you just can't seem to find peace of mind, oh. You're searching for your answers, but your problems are getting worse all the time. Oh, just lift your hand to Jesus. He'll take you in and break the ties that bind. He'll be the lily in your valley, and you can watch him bloom all the time I found a lily in my valley I found strength when I was one I found a place to leave my burdens I found refuge from the storm a place where Of sunshine, I found a lily in my bed. Praise God! And he blew. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God! Praise God! I found a lily in my valley. I found strength when I was one. I found a place to leave. From the storm, a place where I train my dark sky. Thank you, Jesus, to beaming rays of sunshine. I found a lily in my valley, and he blooms all the time. I found a lily. In my valley, and he blooms all the time, all the time. Thank you, Jesus. Kim, come on up this morning. When old Stephen was accused,
what's before me I can only imagine I can only imagine To be surrounded by your glory What will my heart feel When I dance for you, Jesus Or in all of you be still Will I stand in your presence to my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah, will I be able to speak it all, I can only imagine, yeah, I can only imagine, I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself in the sun I can only imagine when all I will do is forever forever worship you I can only imagine I can only imagine oh to be surrounded by your glory what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? To my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine.
I can hear the rain reminding me in the eye of the storm you remain in control in the middle of the war you guard my soul you alone are the anchor when my sails are torn your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm when my hopes and dreams are far from me and i'm running out of faith i see the future i picture slowly fade away and when the tears of pain and heartache are pouring down my face i find my peace in jesus name in the eye of the storm you remain in control in the middle of the war you guard my soul you alone are the anchor when my sails are torn your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm when they let me go and i just don't know how i'm gonna make ends meet i did my best now i'm scared to death that we might lose everything and when the sickness takes my child away and there's nothing i can do my only hope is to trust in you i trust you lord in the eye of the storm you remain in control in the middle of the war you guard my soul you alone are the anchor when my sails are torn your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm in the eye of the storm you remain in control and in the middle of the war you guard my soul you alone are the anchor when my sails are torn, your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. Behold, Jehovah, seated on the throne, Abba, Father, the well that Jehovah seated on the throne Abba Father the well that overflows the God who was and is and shall be
Behold the way, the truth and the light. Perfect Savior, the blood that washed us white. The God who was and is and shall be forevermore. Holy is the Precious, 
seated on his throne. He was clothed in glory and exalted high. And the train of his robe, it filled And the angels gathered round. They began to cry, singing.
and you're worthy of it all. Yes, you're worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. song service this morning. We thank Him for all that He's given. We thank Him for the many blessings. We ask that we give on, as we always said, you know, as Matt was singing, I'm reminded of the many, many blessings that God has given us. So, thank God this morning, as others are saying as well. This morning, I'll try not to keep you too long. We'll let those that are going back to the junior church drop their kids off and come back and give them a few moments. But as Matt was singing and as Shiloh was singing about the song about woe is me, that comes from a story in the Bible where the writer in the Old Testament saw the glory of the Lord and God, and he said, woe, I am a man of unclean lips. And I am not worthy to do what you have called me to do, dear God. But he said, rise, old man of unclean lips. And he touched his lips and he healed his life. And, and, and I'm just paraphrasing this. Read it on your own. And God definitely told him to go forth and deliver the word unto the people, even though perhaps they would not hear nor would they listen. But he was called to be faithful to that which he was called to do. And that brings us to a good lead-in to what I feel God has led me to speak about this morning. I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And we're going to go down through chapter 4, verse 5. Chapter 3, 16 through 2 Timothy 4, 5. And it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. 
chapter 4. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, and be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned unto faithful, uh, unto fables. Excuse me. But thou watch in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Here in 2 Timothy... It reminds me of something that I feel that God has led me to speak about. And I'll kind of set this up. About a week or so ago, I think it was probably last Sunday, I was looking for something down in my basement and I was you know, not recycling something old, but just looking for something in my basement for a note of something. And I ran across a bunch of uh, my yellow legal pads, which I have in my Bible. I always keep the small ones. And in that I had a lot of sermon notes written down from people within this church that had delivered sermons. And as I looked back upon that history, you know, I couldn't tell you verbatim what they said and when they said or what they said, but I know that I had those notes. And it reminded me of all the sermons that I have set under in my life and all the times that I have set right where you're sitting this morning and all the men of God that God has called unto the ministry to deliver the word of God unto those that he has appointed to give it unto. A wise man of God had told me a while ago, about six months ago, he said, you know, don't worry about certain things, just serve faithfully where God has called you and continue to do the work where God has placed you. Not that I was looking to go, leave, do anything, it was just like you know, we were talking. And he said, all of us are just to serve faithfully where God has placed us. And it began to remind me of my life as a Christian, perhaps sitting right where you're sitting this morning, and it reminded me of all the men of God. And I'm saying every pastor I've been under has been a man, so if you want to get politically arguing, we'll just go out there and talk in the hall. All those that I have sat under, these men of God, and I began to go back in my history, and I began to go back, and, and I remember the first pastor I ever sat under was Brother Clyde Perry. And I remember that he was a man of God that you could talk to him about any chapter in the Bible and he would know where it's at and he probably had a sermon and an outline and could give you a message on it right there off the cuff. And God continued to minister through him unto me to train me up. And then I can go on and I can think, uh, well, Lou Davis was someone that I had was sitting under at one time. And, and then uh, I, I can think of Brother Denzel Owsley a good man of God, and Doyle Kincaid. And I could go through the history of all those, and currently, Tim Pruitt, J.B. Pruitt. You know, God has placed us to be, and you can go back in your mind and think of those that you have sat under in the past, uh, Brother Vaughn, perhaps, or, or other pastors or preachers that you have sat under in your life. And all of them are men of God that God has called to give a word unto the congregation or the shepherds or the flocks that they have been assigned. They were told at one time they were sitting in a seat just as you, but like that prophet, they heard a word coming to them and said, I am calling you to minister to the people. And believe me, they didn't do it out of their own ability. They did it out of availability. 
And though at times they may have felt unqualified or unable, yet they stood faithfully behind a sacred desk and studied the word and gave the word. I can go through this congregation today and tell you Brother Bill McQueen faithfully giving the word of God and encouraging and challenging those that God has placed within his life, preaching the word. Brother Carl back there standing, giving the word that God has placed upon his heart and his life. You know, the excitement and the zeal that God has given on him. Brother Randy Blair, Brother Bobby Stanley. I could go on and on, and if I've missed someone this morning, I apologize. But perhaps, you know, Brother Andy Pruitt and others perhaps that God has called and has done a work in their life. And all of them are so much more qualified than I would ever be or that any of us could ever be. But God has placed them and put a call upon their life to deliver the word. And they have faithfully delivered that word into a congregation or a people that they have set under. And one of the things that I've learned within my life, I've never once held it against anyone that's ever stood behind a pulpit and ripped me up one side and back down the other. I never once held it against them. Well, who are you to tell me that? They are the man of God called to deliver the word in that hour. And if I believe that God calls then I would be obedient or subservient, if you want to even use that word, to what God has spoken that day through that person. Now, perhaps sometimes someone may speak a little bit too much from their flesh. Sometimes perhaps someone may interject a little bit of their own into it. We've all been guilty of that. I don't know if you've ever done that, Randy, Bobby. We've a little bit too much of us into it and not much enough of God into it. But all of those that stood behind that sacred death delivered the word as they felt, as they studied, and they prepared themselves, realizing that all scriptures given for inspiration, for doctrine, reproof, and instruction, they studied that word to deliver that word, and I was the beneficiary sitting within that seat. And I thank God for those that have been faithful to the ministry. And the reason that I'm saying that this morning, I want to go down a little bit of a history of what I have learned from those that have stood behind that desk that I have set underneath. Now, I don't mean this in any way, shape, or form bad, but I cannot tell you verbatim, maybe five, ten, the messages that I've sat under. I, I can't tell you verbatim what they preached on and what chapter and what verse. I, I can kind of generalize a few things. I, I remember one time one guy preached about that or this one preached about that. I can't even tell you what I spoke about last Sunday. You probably can't either. You know, but we don't remember always in general everything that they've said. But we know in general that they had their heart's intention to deliver unto us the word that God had gave them for our betterment. We know as a matter of fact that God had gave them a word for that time and for that hour and for that moment. And that word perhaps might be just for you or just for me. Brother James proved, well I can tell you the theme about who they are. You know, Brother Clyde Perry, a, 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 a theologian with none equal. You know, Brother Jack White, that we went to that church just for a little bit. Yeah, a man of love and compassion. He just wanted to love you so much. That was his, his ministry. Uh, he just, not that he accepted immorality or, or unrighteousness, but he just loved to love. You know, he was a happy, jovial, cordial man. Doyle Kincaid, a kind, compassionate, gentle voice. 
during a season of, of doubt and, and, and despair within one's own life. He was a good man. You know, Denzel Owsley, a, a strong man of God, preached the word for years. You, know, you could go on and on and on. And Joe, Brother JB, I did not sit under his ministry for very long. But I know that Brother JB loved and wanted to encourage and lift up. And I'm sure that many of you could express beyond what even I'm able to do what Brother James Pruitt meant to you. Brother Tim Pruitt, what God has given unto him. I know beyond a shadow of doubt that Tim loves these people. You, he loves you and prays for you and desires the best and wants you to know the Lord in a new and exciting way. But as I sat underneath these men of God, unlearned, unknowledgeable, not knowing anything, as I came into the world of church, maybe perhaps like many of you are, I came and I visited a church and went on a Sunday night. And I, you know, I'd gone to a church a few times. I'd gone to VBS a few times. I even got a few of those VBS awards. I was good. I could, the Beatitudes, I, I, I had them down. I memorized them all. The Ten Commandments, I won the awards, man. If it, if it talked about memorization and blah, 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 talking, I got it. Okay? You know, but that was something I'd done as a child. But it come along a point in time in my life as I was a little bit older, I went to a church and sitting back, maybe back where Sister Cindy, Sister Crystal was sitting back there about that same distance on that church over there on that side. I think we only had two rows, so it might have been a little bit more where Jerry and you guys are. The first thing that that man of God delivered, that faithful man of God called to do the work of a minister, the first thing that I ever remember when I sat underneath one of those gentlemen, and I never knew this before, even though I knew some stuff about Jesus, I mean, I'd got the award. I'd got the beatitude thing. I'd got the cross that I'd placed, that little thing I made in BBS. I mean, I'd done, I had the medal, man. I'd, I had it. I won. But the first thing that I learned beyond a shadow of a doubt is that I was lost. And that's because a faithful man of God delivered the word without, without reservation, without any doubt without any apologies, without any reservation. But faithfully, he did the work that God had called him to do. And on that Sunday evening, Brother Jamie Ragel, Brother Bill, I don't know if you remember Jamie Ragel, preached the word that night, and he spoke the word with conviction and power. I cannot to this day tell you what he told me. I cannot tell you to this day the passage that he used. I cannot tell you to this day the words that the man spoke. But I can tell you this day that I realized that that night that I was lost. For all had sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in that state that I would not make heaven my home. Even though at one time I may have thought that it was the good versus the bad. How many of you had that scale of Christianity? Well, I do more good than bad. Ooh, I'm, oh, I got the good side up this week. I'm going to make heaven because I've done more good than bad. I helped the young lady across the street. I was kind to a neighbor. I did my works. I did the things that I was a good guy. After all, I've never murdered anybody. <laughs> so I got the good scale going. So therefore, I'm going to go to heaven. But I realized when that man of God preached that word that night that I was lost, even though I did not understand what being lost was, but I knew I was. And something else that that man of God, when he preached tonight, a spirit of conviction came upon me where I felt a, a sadness and a dread within my life and I realized because he held nothing back that if I did not ex 
make a change and if I did not adhere or listen or, or make an acknowledgement that I was lost, that I would stay in that state forevermore. And I would not make heaven my home. I learned that because a man of God preached the word. He was instant in season and out. He gave reproof, correction, brought the word of God unto me. And that if I did not accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, that I would, quote, split hell wide open. You know, we don't have a lot of preaching like that anymore. We got a lot of encouragement messages. A lot of you're okay messages. God loves you because you are what God loves. Be somebody because you can be somebody. Trivial fables, wives' tales, endless blah, 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 that goes nowhere and does nothing. I passed along something to Brother Randy and a few of them, a thing I was reading the other day and watching. They call it the, 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 the Christian's Creed. I, I don't know what this person was promoting. Pure, pure craziness. I don't even want to give it any time within this congregation this morning. But we need preaching to Bobby that tells us that we're lost. We need someone to tell you that in the life that you're living right now, that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you have not asked him to forgive us of your unrighteousness, the rebellion that was within your heart that produces unrighteousness. See, a lot of times people worry about the results rather than the cause. They try to fix the results rather than realize the cause. They worry about what they're doing, not why they're doing. But the word of God tells us that in my rebellious state, in my lost state, I will work manifestations that are called sin. I will do works that are unrighteous because that's within my nature to do those things. And I cannot fix those things in myself. I cannot correct those things within myself. I cannot do enough works to make myself good enough in the eyes of God because I'm lost. I'm unredeemed. I do not have God's spirit living within me and I have not confessed unto him that I am not able in my own self and in my own works and my own abilities to make myself good enough. I learned that because someone stood up and told me that. And I wasn't mad at him. I didn't get angry at him. I wouldn't say, how dare you tell me that I'm not good enough? How dare you tell me that I'm not a good person? How dare you tell me that I'm not morally right? How dare you tell me these things? You know why? Because he preached the word and told me I was lost. And I didn't even understand it. But I knew I was. I didn't get it, but I knew that I needed to get it. I knew that that moment, that man that preached that word, when he told me that I was lost, that I would die in my sins, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it tells us that the wages of sin is death. And it goes on and on, and they shared the passages with me, and I came down to an altar of prayer when that spirit of conviction... See, I didn't even know what conviction was. I mean, someone was talking to me, and they were telling me, and I didn't feel too good that, and I was kind of sad that week. And they said, well, you're under conviction. What's conviction? I didn't know what it was, but you know what? I had it. And then the next week, I come to a church, never expecting. But I knelt down at an altar of prayer, and I asked the Lord Jesus into my heart and asked him to accept me as who I am, what I am, and where I am because I was lost. But that moment on, he restored me and brought me into the family of God. 
And the next thing that those preachers began to tell me after I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, my life became new. I remember the joy that I felt. Oh, I was so good. I was so happy. I was walking down, going down the street, and I remember seeing Sister Blakely one time. And a few, I said, I got saved. Praise the Lord, you know. I didn't know what it was, but I just got saved, they told me. But I knew something was different. The key thing is there, that was just the beginning. Because men of God faithfully stood behind a pulpit and told me that my life would never be the same. They didn't tell me that was enough. They didn't tell me that was good enough. Well, you got it now. You're good. That's it. See, I, I, I don't understand the mode of some Christianity today. I know I'm old and I'm legalistic and you all get tired of it. But I don't understand. Maybe I'm legalistic, but I'll tell you a lot of the church world today is liberal, liberal, liberal so much. You all ain't ever sat under what we sat under. You ever had one of those hacking guys from Kentucky? Bill, they'd rip you up one side and back down the other. You didn't understand what they said, but in every word, they'd have to hack and get their breath. They were so excited and they were shouting so much. They were telling you you were lost. They were preaching heavy, hard, and hot. And in between every other word, they're getting their breath. They'd hack. You got too close. They'd, they'd baptize you that night just with the spit. They'd hack up down one side and down the other. But they would tell me that my life was to never be the same again. I wasn't to be that old man that I was. I was to be different. I don't understand the life of some Christians today. I just don't get it. I don't. I don't. I'm not going to get a lot into it, but I don't. I, I can't understand. It's like they bought the ticket, but they don't want to take the trip. They got the plane ticket, but they don't want to take the trip. Chris and April were just fortunate enough to go out west. It would be as silly as Chris and April buying some plane tickets to go out to a great vacation out in California. I think that's where they kind of went. We're going to, if it not, figure it out with them later. We'd take that beautiful trip, but sit at home in Westchester and say, well, we got the tickets, but we never took the trip. Wasn't that really fun? No, you, sometimes you got to get down and experience it. Because seeing the majesties that us that they were able to experience can only be witnessed by the eyes. I don't understand some Christians that ask the Lord to forgive them of their sin, but never live for Him. I don't get that. I, I don't. I just don't understand it. I, I don't. And if you call that legalistic, I'm sorry. But the Word of God says preach the Word. Tell, reprove, correct, rebuff, counsel. Some of us need to live a little bit closer than what we're professing. I can get hard here, really, really hard. But I don't understand certain things. I've got a loved one within my family. He'll probably never listen to this. I, if he does, I've I got to quit being a coward sometimes and think that they're going to get mad at me if they hear what I said. But I don't understand my son having God deliver his child whose throat was closed and had surgery and couldn't breathe and possibly would die and God doing a great work in that son's, his daughter's life and him say, well, I'm taking a break from church now. I don't get that. I don't understand that. I don't. I don't come here because he loves me. I mean, I come here because he loves me. Not out of duty, or out, but I don't get it. 
I don't understand. Oh, I could get so hard on this, but I don't want to. That's Randy's job tonight. I just don't get it. Because the preacher stood behind the desk and told me that what you're doing is no longer right. Living in the way that you're doing, walking the way you're doing, participating in certain things you're doing. I mean, some of you younger Christians and get mad at me, okay? But I believe a long, long time ago, God called me to preach the word. And if you don't like it, talk to him. Some of you on social media, maybe you're not allowed to post what you're doing. Some of you maybe not ought to share some of the things that are going on in your life. Some of us Christians, and i got not just this church, but I've got friends and loved ones. Oh, my God, you don't belong there. You don't belong there. That's the old man you were. Get out of that garbage pit and get back into the house of God. Get out of that because I told them, and that preacher stood up there and told me, it was made known to me that I was to be different and my life would never be the same. Never be the same. I was now saved. I was part of the family of God. And another thing that I learned from one of those old men sitting back behind this sacred desk studying the word, he taught me about sanctification. That I was a separated vessel unto God now and living in the world was not where I belonged. We don't preach sanctification a lot. We don't even talk about it. Some may not even know what it means. But it's separated, set apart for the purpose of God. We need to allow ourselves, the Lord of God, to deal with us and to tell us you need a little bit more separation from this old world. You need to get out of that where you're at. You need to not be where you're at. You need to be not doing where you need to do. Because a man of God faithfully stood behind a pulpit and told me those things. Not only did he tell me that my life would never be the same. He taught me also that in this life that in Philippians chapter 3, one of the first verses that I ever read and the first chapters I ever read, that I was to press on, to keep on keeping on towards the high calling of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I was to know more about him. And I got a fever within my heart and I got a desire within my heart to read the word of God. To understand what the word of God says. I mean, if it's a biblical roadmap, don't you think I ought to look at it every once in a while? I ought to check it out every once in a while? And believe me, it's not easy. Some of you don't belong out in the hall. You belong in Sunday school. Get here and learn about the Word of God. Because there are people that have been called to teach you and to preach and to instruct you. You don't need out in the hall for 45 minutes talking about blah, 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 blah. Get in one of these rooms and learn about God's word. Get here on a Thursday night. I know people work. I get it. I understand. I'm not getting there. I understand there's obligations. I understand there's commitments. I get it. I go on vacation. You go, I, I'm not hitting on that. Please understand. But if you're here and you're able to be here, get in the class. If you're able to be here, come on a Thursday night. Learn something about the Word of God. When I got saved, I wanted to learn about the Word of God. I wanted to know what God's Word said. And if you don't like what I'm telling you right now, talk to God about it. Okay? Don't come up to me after the church and tell me how my sermon was wrong. I don't like that when you all do that. I don't. I don't. Well, you should have said that. Talk to God. 
I never once went up to a pastor or a preacher when he preached the message and told him how wrong he was to tell me I was lost. How wrong he was to tell me that I needed to live closer. How wrong he was to get into my personal space and how dare you. I never once did that. I don't get that. I don't understand that. So don't do it. My life was to be different, Bobby. I wanted to know about God. I wanted to learn about him so much. And I remember a young child one time coming and said, Oh, you're scribbling in your Bible. I've scribbled all over it. And I'm going to keep scribbling. And I'm going to go through. This is my first Bible I ever had. And it's got pages and notes everywhere. And half of them are wrong and crazy. Because I was young. But I was learning. And God was instructing. Why? Because I got into God's house and I heard men of God like a Bill McQueen or a Clyde Perry or whomever stand up and preach it hard and straight and true and tell me that I needed to live different. A man of God told me that. Social media didn't tell me that. Facebook didn't tell me that. Instagram, Snapchat, or what, what are they all y'all got now? Snapchat, Instaflap, and Whatever, all those things. I don't know them. But Philippians 3 told me that I needed to press on towards the mark of the high calling. Romans 12, 9 told me that I need to be conformed to the image of his son. 1 John, chapter, 3 John told me that I need to walk in truth. I needed to walk the way of the Lord. All those, I learned those from the word of God. Because a man of God stood behind a desk and told me the truth. I learned I was lost, sister. I learned that my life was never to be the same. And not only that, I learned that I was to live differently from that point on. I would be a different person. I was different from that point on, and I did live differently. Old things were cast away. Behold, all things became new because I became a new creature in Christ, the old man was dead. The old man that I asked to be forgiven from, the old man that was destroying me, the old man that was tearing me apart, the old man that caused me fear, doubt, anger, frustration was gone, and I didn't want to live there anymore. I, I, I didn't want to be there anymore. I began to live a new life, and that new life was in Christ. All things became new. And because of that desire, and because of that fever, and because of that fervor that I developed deep down within, and some of you may not understand this, maybe you've never experienced it, but as I was growing in Christ, as I was learning the things of Christ, as I sometimes had taught a class, as sometimes I have done this, and sometimes I did that, I began to, to learn the things of God, and I didn't know it all by any way, shape, or form, and still don't. But as I began to invest my life in him and learn more of him, on November 9th, 1983, on a Wednesday night, God called me to preach his word. Second date in my life, see? Two years, about six months. November 9th, 1983, at Fellowship Tabernacle, on a Wednesday night, I stood up and said, I believe that God has called me to preach his word. And to share his word. I did not know how, where, when, or what. But I believe that God called. 
And from that day forward, it's been nearly 40 years that I have studied to show myself approved, to preach the word, to give what God has given unto me at that point in that day and that hour for those that God has given me the time and the day and hour to give it unto. I've done it at nursing homes. I've done it where there's been two or three. I've done it in places where there's been none. I've done it where you knew you weren't welcome. Like Brother Mike says, I did feel like the visiting team for sure. I didn't belong there. I've done it when people got out and walked out on you because they didn't want to hear you. They didn't want to hear you. How dare you dishonor the gifts of God? If God has called one to minister unto you, how dare you dishonor the gifts of God? How dare one... Don't take it. It's not you guys. You weren't there. How dare someone stand up and say, I don't want to hear what God has given that person. Oh, they didn't want to hear Jeremiah either. They didn't want to hear the prophets either. But you know what? Sometimes you stand up and give it where they want to hear it or not. See, I was going to be living from that point on different than never before. And I have not been the same guy since that night, March 8, 1981. And I've tried to do the best. And this isn't about me. But all men of God that have ever stood before you have done their best to tell you how to live soberly, righteously in this present day and this time. They've offered you reproof. They've offered you correction. They've told you. They've instructed you. They've guided you in doctrine and truth and the things of God. Because let me tell you what. There is so much untruth out there that you will fall to the wolves and the snares of this world if you're not careful. Now you may say, well, how do I know that your truth is truth and their truth is not truth? Balance it out and check it out. You will see that their fallacies are based on human capabilities. Their doctrines are based on human psychology. When someone tells you, says, we welcome you, old binary God who has plural names and Jesus in his beautiful tunic. What in the world does that mean? I don't get, where is that in scripture? Nowhere. But people are sitting under that as if that's truth. And embracing that in their life. And accepting that as their truth and their doctrine. But it's not the truth of the word of God. Because Jesus says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And I knew from that time on that when I accepted the calling of God, I would be a little bit different and I needed to act a little different. Not act, but I needed to live my life differently. I was now held responsible to a higher calling. I was held accountable to what I said. I was held accountable to what I represented. I was held accountable to what I did. And I was held accountable to know the word. And if at any point in any time that the preacher stood up that morning and said, Are you instant in season today? If so... Get up and give us a word for the Lord. Didn't need three weeks to prepare. That's too much meat. Didn't need 40 hours to figure out my outline and my notes. That's too much meat. Right, sis? I, I, I could give you a great outline. Let's go to any book right now. I could give you a really fancy outline. But when the Spirit of God says, I've given you a word, when God comes on and says, I've given you a word. And another thing that I learned from one of those old preachers, well, this one got me mad. You've all heard it before. When they started talking about that baptism in the spirit thing. 
I've been saved for 30 years. What are you all doing about this baptism in the Spirit? You mean I'm not good enough? I sat in a church, Brother Bill. We was told if I wasn't baptized in the Spirit, I don't even belong in a pulpit. No one even belongs in a pulpit. And I said, you're throwing a lot of babies out with the bathwater. I didn't understand it. I think in his infancy of trying to express something, maybe made a mistake. But I learned about the baptism of the Spirit here. Here. See, I didn't always understand. Oh, I've got the Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? How could I live this Christian life if I didn't have the Holy Spirit in me? Because I'd be doing it in my own flesh. I'd be doing it in my own works. I'd be doing it in my own ability. If I didn't have the Spirit of God in me, I'm doing it in the flesh. And that means that I can save myself. Sounds pretty good, don't it? But the Word of God, through the man of God, led me to a passage that says, Jesus says, I have come to baptize you and save you from your sins and baptize you in the Spirit. And that hit me, though I had read it a thousand times, hit me like a ton of bricks. Because what I realized is that I had bought the ticket, Chris, but I wasn't willing to take the journey. I only wanted half of what Jesus gave me. I wanted his salvation. I did not want that baptism of the Spirit thing. That was for those other folks. That was for those shouting, tongue-flapping, wig-whacking, jumping, flipping, flopping folks. It wasn't for me. That was for them. Well, if you think that speaking in tongues or the baptism of the Spirit is only about tongue-flapping and wig-whapping and all that stuff, you've missed it by a mile. You don't understand it. But Jesus said unto me, I realized that it was his baptism. His baptism. It tells us it in the word of God. John declares that. Read it on your own. And I said within myself, though I don't understand it, if God has it and Jesus gives it, I want all that he has for me. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I want it. And I began to live and realize that. And I didn't pray for it. I didn't practice in front of a mirror. I didn't work it up, flop it. I didn't do none of that stuff. I didn't polish it up. I stood humbly between right here on a Wednesday evening service when Jerry Watkins was here. And I looked at that man, and I, probably what you're going to say to me, I said to him, I don't want to hear it. I don't want a thing you have. But if God has it and he wants me to have it, I'm open to what the Lord has for me. And I said, I want my wife and Brother Tim, would you come? And we prayed. And there wasn't no lightning bolts and rainbows and butterflies flying, but the Lord of God that night baptized me in his spirit. Now, I've not been given that gift that I use every time and others. Some of you are given the gift of tongues and others the interpretation of tongues. I get that. But God empowered me for the use of his ministry by giving me that spirit that night. And here today, you may be saying the same thing. Well, preacher standing behind there, I, I don't want a thing you got. Good. I'm glad you don't want anything I got because what I got is nothing. But if you want what God has, there's an opportunity today to accept all that God has. If you are broken and you realize that through these humble words this morning that you perhaps are not saved, you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you begin to feel something within your spirit today that says, I, I, I'm in church and I'm supposed to be happy, but I'm feeling a little bad. What is that? I, I'm bothered by what this guy is saying. He's annoying me. Well, welcome to my wife's life. 
He's getting on my nerves. He's upsetting me. He's making me mad. I just want to go up there and smack him and tell him to be quiet. Sit down, Jeannie. Don't get to go on it. Maybe the spirit of conviction is working in your heart because you realize that you're lost. And you realize that you need to accept Christ as your Savior because in the condition you are right now, you will split hell wide open. There ain't no you're a good guy. You've tried harder than the other guy. There ain't no you're just as good as that guy. Well, you know, compared to Jerry, I'm pretty good. You know, and Jerry compares himself to Ryan and he says, well, compared to Ryan, I'm pretty good. And then Ryan looks over at Bobby and says, well, we compare ourselves to Bobby. We're all good. And then Bobby looks at Johnny and says, it explains itself right there. We all got it. But Mike, being a wonderful musician, do you ever tune that guitar to something that's out of tune? Never. You listen to the master note. I know that's probably not the right thing, but you tune it to something that's in tune. If you're comparing yourself to someone else, something else, you got it all wrong. But this morning, perhaps you might have realized that you are not righteous in yourself. You are not going to make heaven your home in your own works. And you know why you've heard that today? Like me, like others that would do the same thing. The word of God has stated this morning to preach the word. And the word of God tells us that sometimes there are many of us sitting within the sound of a voice that are lost. The word of God also tells us that your life needs to be a little bit more set apart for the kingdom of God. A little bit more sanctified, shall we say. Put away that old man. Don't live any longer in that old world. You don't belong there. You know where I feel the most out of place? And I'm not any better than anyone else. I'm not. But in the world, man, I, feel, I, I don't belong. Not that I'm some holy, perfect person. But I just don't feel at home. I don't get it. I don't understand things. I, I don't want to go down to the hoochie-coochie bar and grill, whatever they call it. or I don't want to go to the club and hoot boots. I, I don't. Maybe you do, great, go for it. But if God shows you light to walk therein, maybe you need to say, I'll walk in that light therein. And he's told me those things. I had a friend talk to me one time. He said he was struggling with certain things that his friends wanted him to do, and he didn't want to alienate his friends. We've all been there, right? I said, what you just need to tell him is this. That is not beneficial for my life. That is what caused me pain and hurt. See, he had a bunch of friends that he liked to golf with them or do sporting things with NASCAR with them or, or bowl with them or softball. He did all those things. They were his buddies forever. Now, golf and NASCAR and softball aren't evil things by any way, shape, or form. I love, I never golfed, putt-putt. I was really good. I could almost hit that clown's mouth. But, you know, that putt, that go, I, I never golfed. I, I loved playing baseball. I loved softball, baseball. I, I liked it. I, I bowled, and, and you know, I, I enjoyed doing things. There's a lot of things I enjoyed doing that, that were fun things. I was raised doing sports as a kid. I wasn't a hunter, fisher, gatherer. Sorry, Mike, I don't understand about fishing. I don't get it. But, you know, it's great that those that do. But I was never taught to do that. We took the grandkids fishing, and... I about hooked four trees, 16 rocks, and 37 limbs. But I caught them. <laughs> I got me a winner that day. 
But he told them, when I'm with you, you want me to drink. And you want me to participate in social drinking. Well, what's the harm? What's the big deal? It's just a beer. It's just a bit. What's the harm? He said, but that was the thing that I was addicted to. That's the things that drug me down. And I want to be the friend, but I can't be around him anymore. I said, you just need to tell him that's not what's good for your life. You know what? There's a lot of things that God will reveal unto us that are not good for your life. It's just a movie. So what half of it, they're naked and half of it, and they use 37 curse words. It's just a film. It ain't hurting nobody. It's hurting you. Because that image that you see in your mind will never get out of your mind. Oh, it's just, a, it's just an innocent little thing. It's just a that. No, see, I had preachers stand behind a pulpit told me that wasn't good for me. Sister Vondi tells me the story when she was young. I'll misquote it, and I that a bunch of her church, when they were youth, they all went to see a movie one time. Boy, the pastor heard about it. He ripped them up one side and down the other because it was a movie that was had some nudity in it and things. He ripped that young people's group up one side and down the other. And they all got mad at him and said, we're quitting church. We're not coming here anymore. We don't like what you said. You know, you know what they did? The altars were full. The altars were full because a man of God stood behind the pulpit and told him that's not good for your life. That will lead you harm. That will lead you into destruction. That will lead you into danger. Renew. How are we saved? We're conformed to the image of His Son. By the renewing of our mind, we begin to think different and live different and act different. I could go to that old quote, but I don't remember it verbatim. Maybe someone else does, but your thoughts become your actions. Your actions become, you know. But we're not. See, a man of God stood behind the pulpit and informed me that I was not righteous. And he told me that I needed to be transformed and I needed to be conformed to the image of his son. And today I still hear those men of God saying that. Randy tonight is probably going to rip me up one side and back down the other. Bobby next week is going to tear me apart. Brother Bill at any time could stand up and give a testimony and put us all to shame. Brother Carl, just by his life, could stand up and give a word and tell us how that we need to walk closer. Men of God, called of God to deliver the word of God without reproach and without doubt and without reservation, fully. But not only did I hear from one of those men of God that I was lost and I needed to live different, I was also told by those men of God that I needed to look for Jesus to be returning. I needed to look for him returning. He's coming back for a bride, as Sister Marcia enjoyed studying for a while, without spot and without blemish. Coming for a bride that is looking for him to join him in the meeting in the air, and we can get in all the theology and all the things, and I'm not going to take the time to do it right now, and I'm not going to do it right now. But a man of God gave that unto me. And as those who come today to prepare to sing or whatever they feel that they want to offer, I want to share a little closing story with you. You know, we may not always feel capable. We may not always feel qualified. We may not always feel able. But a story was told of an old farmer who had two buckets. And every day he would go to the well to fill up these buckets and bring it back to his family for nourishment. Now, the one bucket was new and pristine and held everything. Never had a leak, but the other bucket was cracked and had holes and had some leaks in it. 
and they brought it back every day. And by the time he would get back home, the one bucket was still full, but the other one was nearly empty. Now the bucket began to talk to the farmer and say, why in the world are you doing this? Why are you taking me to the well every day and put something in me that I just spill all over the place and I feel like I mess it up? And this isn't about me. This is about what God calls. He says, I just drop it all over the place and it does nobody any good. And the farmer turns and says, look at the path that we've walked every day. Full of vegetation and flowers and growth. You dripped every day and you watered that whole way and all of us get to enjoy it. I thank God for men that have been called to stand. Bill, I, we joke, I thank God that you've delivered messages that I needed to hear. I thank God that you did that. You never once apologized. Well, you were hard sometimes. You hit me sometimes where I didn't want to be hit. You challenged me where I didn't want to be challenged. You, you, you scolded me when I needed to be scolded. Without reservation. Without any reservation, you preached the word. Thank God. Brother Randy, keep going, brother. Keep going. Brother Carl, thank you for your words of encouragement. Thank you for what God has given you. Brother Bobby, thank you for your passion and your love of just sharing Jesus with me. I thank God for those that have been called. Because at times those of us have been called feel like we're that old rusty bucket. We just mess it up all the time. There's never been one preacher that's never stood behind this pulpit when he's got down and said, oh man, I messed up so much. I misspoke what I meant to say. I got my words jumbled. Oh, I, oh. But then I thought about it this past week. I don't remember anything that most of them guys have said anyways. I don't. But all I knew is that Brother Perry wanted me to know Jesus. He wanted me to learn about Jesus. Brother Jack White wanted me to learn about love. Brother Lou Davis wanted me to learn about the power and the homiletics of the Word of God, how that it balances out, that what he says in this chapter balances out with this chapter and balances with this chapter. God gave that to him to give to me for my benefit. Brother Denzel Owsley encouraged me when I was at a point that I was down. Brother Doyle Kincaid, I wasn't Pentecostal. And I was going to a Pentecostal church on a Sunday evening when I wasn't at going to my regular church. And I'd walk in there and he'd say, Brother Don, come up and give us something tonight. Instant in, season and out. Every week, just about. Now, some of those folks didn't like it because I wasn't Pentecostal enough. I didn't wear the right color shirt. I didn't have, but you know what? I was called to preach the word. And I thank God that he gave me that calling on November 9th, 1983. And this morning, I've stood behind this desk, and I will beat myself up all night. I'll tell you, last Sunday, don't come up and say, oh, you? no, I don't want that. But after last Sunday morning, I left here, and I thought, I had too much of me in it, too much flesh. I had too much of my flesh in that message, and it kind of, God didn't use it. It wasn't anointed. I was depending upon my ability more than his ability. I haven't used any notes today, guys. Not that I want your praise. But the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the word to tell you this morning that if you're lost, you need Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You may not want to hear that from me. You may be mad at me. You may be angry at me. Talk to God about it. Come up and tell him. I'm mad what he told me. I don't like what he told me. 
Well, he told you the truth. I asked Brother uh, Destel last week or a couple weeks ago. One of their children were kind of misplaced. They couldn't find them. They were running around frantically to find, who was it, Chloe, Charlie, or Charlie and Coley, Chloe. Running around trying to find them frantically because their child was in danger and harm and needed to be rescued. And, and, and I'm sure that after you found them, I don't know, you probably got on them a little bit, didn't you? You know why? Because he knew what was better for that child and the safety of that child. someone that got saved a whole long, long time ago and God chose to stand behind a pulpit that's telling you that your life is a mess without Jesus. You don't know it and you may be mad that you're hearing it. You may be like that Chloe, Charlie and Chloe. You're lost and you need to be found by the Father. The Father's reaching out to you today telling you you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Come forth Confess your faults, confess your failures, not to unto us, but ask him to forgive you of the rebellious spirit that was within you that desires to live unrighteously, desires to do the things that are not of God. You don't even know the things of God yet. You're like Nicodemus, but he said, unless you be born again, you shall not know these things. Marvel not, I say to you, you must be born again. But as you walk in this life and you accept this Jesus, he will change your life from that point forward. He will begin to mold and shape and conform you to the image of a son. And I will tell you this beyond a shadow of a doubt. And this is the last words I will say. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt with everything that is within me. Anyone who gives their life to Jesus and trusts him with their life. And wants them to be Lord of their life. You will never regret that decision. As they sing. If you need to come up for prayer at any point, and Brother Bobby towards the end will ask for the prayer that you've said. Let's stand this morning as Sister Becky sings.
they continue to sing on. We're talking about pressing on. This is something else they used to do in churches back a long, long time ago. I want to ask you to close your head and bow your eyes. I mean, bow your head and close your eyes. See, I told you we mess up. But without looking around or judgment or fear, if you'd like to just either nod your head or raise your hand and say, Brother DJ, Brother Bobby, Brother Randy, Brother Bill, Brother Carl, remember me in prayer. I'm not sure that I know Jesus Christ as my Savior. No one's going to come back. No one's going to grab you. No one's going to try to come shake you or convert you. But you will say, I, I, I perhaps am not saved, and I want to ask, I, 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 I'm thinking I want to know Jesus, and I, I know I'm not saved. Anybody have that this morning? So then by the rack, lack of the raising of the hands, I know the embarrassment and the fear of that. Everyone in here knows Jesus Christ as their personal Savior because you've confessed that right now by not raising your hand. You're saying you know him as your Savior. But perhaps you're not living for him the way that you should. Perhaps you're just becoming too much of the world. And the world is dominating your life. There are things in this world that are kind of holding you down, holding you back. That you're not growing as you should be growing because you're allowing the things to grow in your life that don't belong there. And you want to get rid of those things. And you want to ask God to help you. Perhaps by the raising of a hand, you say, remember me in prayer. I need to live a little closer. God bless you for that. God bless you for that. God bless you for that. God bless you. God, I see many within the congregation. We're not going to name anybody, go back to anybody. But God bless you for that. You've acknowledged today that you need more of Jesus.